Hello, welcome to the Mythology and Marksmanship Podcast. I'm Morgan King, and I'm here with Brady Allenson. How are you doing, Brady? Good, how are you? Oh man, I'm doing pretty good, just trying to, I don't know, keep kids in line, you know? Keep kids in line and not go insane from going to school every day, all day? Yeah, I mean, but it ain't no different than somebody else waking up and going to work every day, right? Yeah, that's true. What about you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Just been hunting a lot. I haven't been shooting a whole bunch. And then trying to get some yard and house projects done before the finale. And yeah, not too much. Just work and life. That's about it. Right on. Well, I got a couple of questions because I, I've been, I've wrote some down that I want to ask people that, that I have on the show, which you, you're on the show all the time, but, but, uh, I, I'm curious do you listen to the show? Yeah, I do. I haven't listened to the last couple. Um, just, I don't know why I haven't been listening to podcasts quite as much at work, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think I've listened to every single one other than the last few. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I was just curious because, you know, I mean, like I know I've had a few people on, but I would just, I never have asked anybody that question, you know, like, hey, do you even listen to this? Do you know? What you're getting yourself into here? Well, I thought it'd be weird to listen to like people I know real well and then myself, but honestly, it's fairly entertaining still, so I still listen Yeah, to it, it's weird because sometimes, I mean, I don't listen to, to them often, but sometimes I will. Yeah, yeah. You know, just to be like, man, how dumb did I sound? <laughs> That's kind of why I do it. <laughs> and it wasn't as bad as I thought, you know? No. Even some of the ones where I'm where I'm like, man, it kind of got dry for a second, and it wasn't bad. No. I, I've noticed that same thing. You think it's going to be like this awkward pause or quietness, but it really doesn't seem that bad when you're actually listening to it. Nope. Not at all. Nah, another one, just because um, you're on and we haven't uh, really um, talked about gear in a while. What are your three favorite pieces of competition gear oh favorite pieces my new muzzle brake because i think they're the sweetest thing on the planet i don't know what he does different than any other one but it really is just the best muzzle brake out there the tmb by strike without warning bj is like a rad dude and that's definitely so far over the last, well, I think I've only shot a couple matches with it, but it's, I don't know. I don't know why it's so different or I just, I like it a lot. That's my favorite thing right now. Um, and then, oh man, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it to be honest. I love my chassis. Um, and you run the uh, Matrix Pro, right? Yeah, I'm running the Pro. I was going back and forth. I have both, and I think I just got so used to the standard Matrix that, or just the regular Matrix. And I do love that chassis still. I I I pr- pr- much prefer the the standard Matrix over the Matrix Pro. I, I like know. the Matrix. We, I like the Matrix that. Pro rear. And I just take the Matrix Pro rear off, and in fact, and put it on. Garrett is be- um, betting a couple more 
Matrix Pros, that my hybrid. So it's got a Matrix Pro rear and a Matrix front end. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I'm used to it, I think, now. I've, I've had mine for a little while, and I've, I have grown to like it. I, I We've talked about it a little bit, and I kind of feel the same way. I think I might like the original front end a little better, and I don't really know why for sure. Because I like the stability of the width, but I, for some reason, I like it makes no sense, but I kind of like the narrowness of the old one. <laughs> I don't know no, why. it makes perfect sense because that's exactly why I like the old one. Yeah. Which, let's table that and we'll talk about that. I'm going to write it down right now because that is a good talk topic because I think people, um, they, they, people think width is the way to go right now. Yeah. And that's maybe something I'm going to write it down right now. And I don't, I mean, like I said, I'm used to it now. It doesn't bug me. I've, I've actually had some really good match results with this new chassis. Like, I, I, I don't think I shoot it any better or worse. But there's something in the feel of the end that just feels a little more nimble and movable with the old one, whereas this new one is so settled in. It's almost like a when it's on a bag, it's almost hard to move, I guess, if, I mean, no, that's exactly move, what it is. It's slower yeah, because it, it takes you maybe. have Maybe. Yeah. What what's your third? Uh whew. I don't know, third favorite piece. I'm kind of a backpack guy and I kind of loving my backpack right now. Which one? I just like a nice organized backpack. The um Pintler. Yeah. Mystery Ranch Pintler. I like the Pintler big, a lot. Big fan of it. Me too. The thing is, I just like a comfortable backpack, and it's way comfortable. <laughs> oh yeah, that pin, the Pintler is gear. just for shooting competitions. I I don't know that it gets much better. I uh, kind of feel the same way because it has the correct volume. Like I think for like one day matches, or if you're not used to like having all of your spare gear, I do yeah. think that Fehu backpack is pretty legit. Yeah, you don't need as big of one for sure. And I, I think I'm going to make that like my practice backpack like that yeah. I can just grab and go practice with. But for like matches, I can't get away from that freaking Pintler. That thing is just yeah. it's so nice. I know. You can just put well, we everything get, you, you need into it. You get a lot of weight it. in there. Well, yeah. You and then gear in there. There's a lot of weight. And... Well, if you have to go up a hill and you want your hands free – then you, yeah. you want to be able to put, like, your bag, your binos, your spotter, everything, everything in it. In there. And yeah. you can't do that with a lot of the packs. And then there's just the right amount of pockets. There's not too many yep. pockets yep. to make it to where it's just, like, too, too many places to put stuff. But yet there's, like, I had the Selway 80 for a long time, and there's, like, no pockets. And I had to learn how to organize and without pockets. Yeah, it's big, and I would have to compress it down, you know. And it... Yeah. And it was nice, but I man, once I got the Pentler with pockets, it's perfect. I know. I I like that organization too. I for my hunting packs, I don't care as much, but for the shooting packs, just where we have all the little pieces that we bring, it's nice to have all yep. the little zip pockets inside. Yep. But those are probably my top three. That's a good top three. Another question. This one's just a a quick one. Uh. PRS or NRL Hunter? Oh, man. PRS, but I will tell you, 
I dig the NRL Hunter matches. I do. I love the PRS matches. Like I, there's something different about the Hunter matches, though. I don't know if I just go in with less pressure on myself because when I show up to a two day PRS match, like I put too much pressure on myself most of the time. And when I show up to a Hunter match, I'm way more laid back for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I just. I like the laid back feeling of the hunter matches more, even though they're really not like, I still want to win when I show up, but it just, there's something about being on your own the whole weekend as far as like worrying about everything. Yeah. Whereas I think I overthink stuff at the PRS matches, but no, I, I think PRS for me still, but I am going to shoot some hunter matches this year. Yeah. I, I'm a hunter at heart, man. So <laughs> No, I, I, I 100% agree. That's my answer to it. Because I've been asked that a few times. I'm like, well, PRS, because. Yeah. Yeah. But then, but the NRL Hunter, there's just something about it that it's just, it's a blast, I you know? know? It is. It's so fun. Yep. And real quick, little side note, I guess. And the things it has taught me. So my wife, I, some people may know, but my wife's on a heater this year. She killed a big bull. And she's now killed a pretty good buck last week with the muzzleloader. And both times were tri- uh, triple pull front and tripod rear. And just I'm used to doing that in the hunter matches. And it was like no problem at all. And just little things like that. It's fun to like – I should have got better pictures. But it's just – I don't know. It helps with hunting a lot. Yeah. I mean, just shooting in general does, right? But Oh, the, for sure. Absolutely. Like the NRL hunter, though – it does so does it replicate hunting good no i mean not at all no yeah, but no, does it re, does it rep, does it do a good job though of replicating the uh when, from the time you say it's time to kill you know what i mean there's that decision you yeah. make you're like that's the well, deer yeah, like, i'm going to kill you got to be quick bull. on finding a position yeah yep. exactly like, that's what i think that's it what does. i like yeah i agree I think I think it feels very similar, you know what I mean? I, yep. It seems like to me, like, when I decide, yeah, that's the buck I'm going to shoot, it feels the exact same as the NRL Hunter yeah. matches when you're when yes. you're in a hurry, you got to range it, you got to shoot it, come up with a wing call, oh, everything. Yeah. It is very similar to that. And I think that's what I really enjoy about it because yeah. there isn't been much that can replicate that besides when you get in – I mean, all matches prepare you for that, but that one specifically with a gun that you're actually going to go hunt with, it yeah. does a pretty good job. Yeah. No, I. It's been. It's been something that I mean, even like I from regular PRS matches. Yeah, that helps with hunting. Like I, I would be fine, but just kind of teaching my wife stuff that I've done in hunter matches and like. On her bull hunt, I had told her we had worked on it before her hunt. We practiced it in the house. I told her, I want you to get the triple pull all the way extended, tripod rear, and I want you ready to go without me even having to help you at all. And that's exactly how her hunt went. We spotted the bull. She got set up while I was getting the dope figured out, and I ran the dope, told her. She dialed it, shot, dropped it. Like, it was just a perfect scenario. And, yeah, I think doing the hunter matches helps a little bit with that. Oh yeah, the, I I hundred percent. I think those hunter matches, for that purpose alone, like that's yeah. yeah. And well, they're just fun. Not <laughs> for that purpose alone. They're they're just fun, anyways, right? 
Yeah. And it refine yeah. it does it does re- <clears throat> show you like, hey, this works in this scenario. Like, hey, this gun oh, yeah. right here, like Brian Neese, for example, last weekend, he's like, I had a three hundred Norma sitting there, and he had like a something else sitting there, and he's like, but I hadn't shot it in six months or something. He says, but yeah. my NRL hunter rifle is sitting right there. And ready it's go. ready to go. Yeah, it's six five Creed, but I mean, it's like sitting there ready to go. And he's like, "I know, I trust it. I've shot it a bunch." So yep. he laid down and whacked a buck at eight ninety. Oh, was that how far it was? Yeah, oh, that's sweet. That's a good deer. Oh, it's a nice buck. But you know, that's that's what it, it just helps you build confidence in that so sorry to put a sales oh, yeah. pitch out there for the nrl hunter but it is fun <laughs> but at the same it time is. my favorite matches are still i'd go if there was an nrl hunter match and a prs match and yeah. and driving and all that stuff wasn't taken into account because if i have to drive seven hours to go to a prs match or four hours to go to an nrl hunter match i'm probably still going to drive seven to go to a prs match but yeah. if the but if it's like twelve hours to go to the PRS match or four hours to go to the NRL Hunter match, I'm going to the NRL Hunter match. You know? Yeah, yeah, that does play into the factor for sure. Yeah, I just I definitely prefer a PRS match. But and that and that to me has more to do with the fact that I just love the game. Yeah, and well. This is going to sound bad, I guess, but the competition's a little more intense as well at the PRS matches. Yeah, it definitely is. I, I, it, it can be, it can be a dogfight at those too, but it's, it, it can. Like I've been in them before, but yeah, it's definitely, it's just, I mean, you, you go to a PRS match and almost any one of them you show up to, like you better have your A game on. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. We got, we're already 14 minutes in. No, I know. That's an, that's <laughs> Sorry, an in, that was a that's bit an of a in, No, that's all right. That's an, in, uh, so there's our introduction. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> but because I had some things, and it doesn't even matter if we get to anything as long as, you know, we we uh, get to talk about a couple things. But I think there's some things yeah. that I I really want to uh, go over. Because I, I, so... Anybody that's shot and been around guns for a while, before I start into it, I'm going to introduce, I want to talk kind of about like, like how, like how much do you need to spend to get into like long range shooting in general or even competition or just like into a light rate, like even a lightweight hunting rig type deal. Like how much money does a guy have to spend ballpark ish and what do you need? and what what's out there and then and then i want to talk about there's a couple of like like a lot of times you show up to a match and you'll have issues sometimes like say you're zero and your zero's off like what do you do then and and like what are some questions you should ask yourself and like some other other type of troubleshooting deals because i think that's people go wrong there and then i want to talk about width on the chassis yet because i think that's a a really good um okay uh topic um to go over but okay anyway so to start off where was i at 
Now we'll start with what it cost again. Yes, the cost. I'm going to write this down or I lose my own train of thought. So, yeah, cost to get in. How much How much would you say your rig right now, your PRS rifle, uh, what does it cost? With the scope? Yeah, with like the scope. Like fully set up, ready to go? Yep. You're probably all in. Let's see. With everything, you're probably around six thousand. I think that's with a bipod. Is that with the bipod? I think so. Okay. Yep. So and and you got to fill that. I mean, that's like every little bell and whistle because I'm thinking. And I 50, was gonna say, and that's like a high high end chassis, like the new Matrix Pros. I think are like sixteen, eighteen hundred bucks. Yeah, that's fifteen hundred so. for the chassis, fifteen hundred for the. Well, yeah, yeah. Is it that much? Yeah, dude. well, and then you got to add weights in there. That's that's where I was coming up because oh. like, by the time you add weights in, it's almost two thousand bucks for the chassis. So eighteen hundred for a chassis. Then with the action, you that levels it off at three grand, and then yeah, and then barrel and brake and work. That's another thousand bucks. So that's four yeah. plus a scope six. You're right. Yeah. So, so yeah, six sixty five hundred ish. With, and you don't have to go with the highest interest. No, and that's my point. You can buy is, is, yeah. yeah. You you can add a thousand for a tangent or well, yeah. no, you yeah. can add two thousand for a tangent. <laughs> I was gonna say more But than you that. can add a thousand and get a night force attacker or something like that. We we we, yeah. we were both run Mark Fives, which are two thousand uh, yeah. dollars. and and we I understand like for you guys listening that don't have a rifle set up and everything. Like that sounds like a lot of money, right? That sounds And it is a lot of money. It definitely is. But you think about a lot of other things. Like <laughs> I always think about snowmobiling. Like I'll be I'll be sitting there <laughs> talking to a guy that I know snowmobiles and yeah. I, and and he will be telling me like, "Oh, it's just way too much money. I don't know how you spend yeah. it." I'm like, "What yeah. are you talking about?" Yeah, the new sled this year is twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, and he and he probably sold the twenty twenty model and bought it. Like that's the type of people yeah. that are snowmobiling, like and and they're welders. And I'm not saying a welder doesn't make good money. I, welders do make good money, but you know, like it's not like you know he's that's where all of his money goes though. Well, and I was gonna say there's prioritizing things. Like I, I mean, that's my issue is I try and do everything, and it really it's hard to shoot and hunt and fair do other stuff you you have to be able to think about stuff that way right but like but even a good hunting rifle like it's not the way it was back in the day where you could spend like with a scope like a thousand bucks would probably get you yeah something decent i think now maybe you got to be looking more like 1500 yeah for like just a good i'm just that's just a good hunting gun oh yeah that's like like with a three by nine almost. Yeah. Well, I mean, so well, I've been, I've got a bunch of buddies that during hunting season, they're always like, they go buy a new gun. They want me to help them get it ready. That's what I was doing tonight. Yep. I mean, a Tika for 700 bucks with a, yep. This one had a Zeiss scope on it, but it's a, I don't know, $1,200 scope. You don't have to go that high end, but I shot at 900 yards just fine. Tonight. Yeah. I just, my, my brother-in-law <clears throat> just got, Garrett is going to put a break on it. It's a six five yeah. creed more, but and I and I um I he's gonna be getting a he's gonna buy a Leopold uh, VX five 
three to fifteen by forty two, whatever. It's it's actually a HTMR, so it's in mills. But it's the only scope in that setup they they sell in mills. It's pretty legit, actually. I was looking at. Oh, it, you were telling me about it's it. It's second yeah. focal plane. That's but it's only fifteen power, and it's got yeah. a halfway mark. So, it if you go oh. to the halfway, then they're one mil instead of. Uh, yeah. half mil marks and man yeah. that scope's pretty freaking nice anyways he's gonna put that on there and and garrett's gonna put a break on the on it because so his nephews can shoot it and stuff um without any problem and my my sister can his wife but yeah. man that's it i mean so that scope is like a thousand bucks so that yeah. one's expensive, but that's so that's nineteen hundred with rings and everything. Well, and so here's what I would say real quick is if you're wanting to get if you're wanting to be in that bracket of okay, I want to be able to go out and hunt, I would like to be able to shoot out to six hundred yards and have a scope I can dial, you're gonna be at least around a thousand dollars to get into a scope that dials that you can actually count on to work when you dial it. Yeah, I that's think something you're gonna that, be right around that thousand dollar range. Everybody I have well I have people ask me from time to time, like, hey, what's a good hunting gun to buy? You know, I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like maybe the worst person to ask that question. And the reason I is know. is because I literally don't buy guns. Yeah, and, I know. I'm in the same thing. You know, I I have them built. Yeah. And, and uh, like, I'm kind of a one-trick pony almost. Like, you know, like, I, I know exactly – Granted, there's reasons why I use everything, and like you go hunting with guys that really know how to shoot, they all have yeah. something that looks almost the same as me. You know, like well, that's the thing. I mean, if you're really interested in the long range deal, like I mean, it's a lot of money, but most of the time, throwing down and getting one built and having everything you need to have to shoot long range consistently, that's. I mean, you could do it with a factory gun. But. Yeah, but I but like that six five Creedmoor Tika <clears throat> with a uh, with that Leopold VX five on there. Oh yeah, that thing right there. That's plenty good. That's gonna kill yes. a lot of animals, and that's yep. gonna that's gonna be plenty for out to six hundred yards, maybe farther on. Oh, yeah. quite a bit of stuff. <clears throat> so yep. that's a. I'm not propagating people to go shooting a long ways on any animal or anything like that. You do whatever you want. I don't place limits on anybody because I don't want people placing limits on me. Yeah. Because it just doesn't doesn't work that way. We don't need to be fighting each other. We should use. This is just my own opinion, but we should not be like saying that my way of hunting is better than your way of hunting to everybody. Because you could make the like, well, there's not enough energy in a in an arrow to put you know to drop one right there. You know, you should be shooting yeah. like minimum caliber ranges all that stuff it's you know should, your limits yeah you should just should not be. be stupid you know right yeah, exactly. but but it's also plenty legal to be stupid like oh yeah so whatever you want, but. but like you shouldn't be right we should there should be like a like a uh there and i think there is but there's a code right or, or like a uh um yeah, some ethics there that are, yeah, that you should pay attention to. But but I'm not gonna but I'm not gonna sit there and this guy that wants to shoot his buck, you know, lay down and shoot it at at 800 yards, 
you know and then there's an and then there's like i went to a uh a hundred this is a side tangent this is my own soapbox here but i went to a uh, deal for my wife when she was getting her hunter education um deal and like yeah. i had i think i'd killed at that time the last deer i'd killed was like at 1284 and he went on this rant <laughs> <laughs> he went on this rant of like how you should not do that and all this stuff and there's no good reason why you should do that and nobody can do that consistently and it's unethical and it's dumb and you shouldn't do it and i was like well mine dropped in one shot so what like yeah i have seen like i've just watched guys at 100 yards mangle deer oh yeah that's what i was gonna say (laughs) and and the thing is is it's like it you know, it's nerves, it's all kinds of stuff. But I go and I practice a lot, a lot to be able to to be oh, proficient yeah. at what I do. So that then, I mean, that's why I got into shooting. That's why you got into shooting. So we would yep. be effective. And and when we pull the trigger, like I, I was telling my, my dad or something, I was like, man, remember when I, well, and I didn't say it like that, but I think about this all the time. I, I'm like, I used to miss, you know. Yeah. Like, th- like every now and again, like, cause I know there's a couple bucks I've killed lately where it's like he gets up and I see a frame and I'm like, oh yeah, boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they die. Every yeah. one of those dies. They used to run yeah. off. Yep. And then you get up there and you're like, son of a gun. He doesn't have, he d- he's like, well, he's just like a two point with extras. <laughs> he, yeah. I killed a 20, well, like a 26 inch two point one time. Well, it wasn't a two point, but it had these you little, did? well, it, it was like a three by four, but like that you, yeah, they were, they were like two inch forks. Yeah. It was dumb. As I, the other thing too, that people don't kind of realize, cause I mean, we shoot a lot and we shoot a lot of small targets. And when you see an elk on the side of the hill at 600 yards, it looks gigantic. Oh, so yeah. that's the other thing for any of us guys that shoot a lot. Even my wife, man, like we practice quite a bit and like at 600, it was no issue. She shot her elk at 600. And I mean, it was like, it just seems so giant. Yeah. And yeah, I, that's the other thing is guys that don't shoot a lot. It doesn't seem that big and it might seem ridiculous when we're taking long shots. But to us, like if your gun's dialed in, that's not in our world or terms because we shoot so often we shoot so many small targets it's not a hard shot for us to make no and that's where i think people they don't realize that and and like i know plenty of guys because my family they all hunt and you know we're coming on hunting season so this is a great topic but you know like here like they'll all be getting ready for the hunt. My dad told me today, says they'd put a hundred yard target up at our place. And it was like one of them ones with a four inch middle circle. Yeah. And he, and his seven saw him. My dad's, he's excited. Cause he's got a, a, a premium bull tag coming up in a month. And so he's getting pretty pumped and he's got it. He had, he got a gun, a custom seven song ready to go, and he's he was up there just verifying his dope. Well, he goes up there and he sees this thing, and he's telling me his seven song. Every bullet goes. He's like, they just all go in the same hole. I was like, really? He says, yeah, this thing's awesome. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, because he switched from shooting 180 Hornadies to shooting uh, like 182. It's like the or maybe it's 180 and a half. I don't know. They're the they're burgers. And are they 184 and a half? Yeah, that's what they are. 184s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But man, they just yeah. they they just stack. And really? Oh yeah. He says he well he he says I just had to um, give him a spot to aim at. He says there was two on the left side, like two inches away from being zeroed, and then some over here. Like he says, there was nothing, like in the middle of that red. He says so. I just made sure. I, he's like, I hurry and put a put one right in the middle of it for him, and then he's like, and then I went and shot him again. Huh. He's like, I, he's like, I can't believe, I can't believe, I don't, I can't believe that that's what they do. You know, they just, they just make sure it's on the paper. Oh yeah, man. It's people are, yeah, it's definitely a lot. Di- like I'm very particular. I mean, I want my guns to be dead on cause I don't want stuff getting wounded, but yeah, people don't sh- worry about stuff quite like we do. Like I, Oh yeah. Well, and then they, yeah. I, I mean, a, a nice buck jumps up though at say 500 yards. Oh, they're probably going to take the first shot. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Do they range anything no no <laughs> do they have a range right no you know what i mean so like and those are the same types of people that turn around and you got one you got one bedded at 850 or like yep really yeah don't you want to ride over there it's like well there's no way to get over there or i would yep you know like yeah if i ride down that the bottom of this game yep you blew it out or you just couldn't get closer no, it was clear down the bottom of this big old basin, and I mean, there was it would have seen us coming down. Not to mention it was almost dark, or it was getting dark. But yeah, I mean, we didn't have a choice. And I can tell you right now, if somebody would have been standing around, we probably wouldn't have taken the shot because it was a long ways with a muzzleloader. <laughs> How far? <laughs> Five eighty-two. Woo! That's a long well, ways. She, she dumped him. I yeah. I kind of. I had shot at five fifty, and I was pretty confident. And but it was flat. Like this was a twenty one degree downhill angle. It was yeah. It was a little bit ridiculous. But she wanted to shoot, and I wasn't going to tell her no. And then she dropped him. So hell yeah, that's fun. awesome. It was cool. But yeah, I mean stuff like that. It's like if somebody else was taking that shot. I mean, I knew my gun was dialed in, but. Yeah, I'm not going to sit there and tell somebody because I don't know what they, you know. Yeah. Anyways, that's that's my ethics spiel is I just don't think we should place, like, don't don't put limits on me. I won't put limits on you, and we'll just yep. agree at that. Yep. Um, but, I agree. But, like, back to the cost thing, like, yeah, you could you do it for cheaper and, and probably get You have to get more luck, get a little bit more lucky on the factory gun deal. Right. Like, Oh, for sure. And you can definitely, but you, I mean, there's all sorts of action companies out there. I mean, you can build them from real low price to real high price. I mean, yeah, you can get a Tika custom build for probably uh, that's what I was going to say. What do you think you probably get one done for under 2,500 bucks? Yes. That's Just about what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Go buy a Tika, take it to a gunsmith. He'll pull the barrel off order a stock have them put either carbon or steel barrel on it you're so you're what let's say 1100 for a chamber drop and a carbon barrel 
and then you got to buy a muzzle brake and a stock. You know, Tikas are nice because you don't have to put a trigger in them. You throw a trigger spring in them for 10 bucks, and you've got a pretty sweet hunting trigger that's good for most people. And yeah, stop I mean, you're at right all. That. Like I, no, you can do not at all. You can even if you're like if you got if you're real uh, brave, you can always do the ballpoint pen spring. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, cut links off and get that thing down to like 11 ounces. Ask me how yeah, I know. You, you can get it low for sure. Yeah, even but for yeah, just a standard guy who's wanting to go out and hunt though, a pound and no. a half trigger is yeah. plenty light. Pound and a half shoot, that's plenty good for even NRL hunter PRS yeah. even. Like you can get pretty yeah. proficient on a pound and a half trigger. Pound and a half trigger, there's oh, nothing wrong with that. Sure. In fact, that's what I run. I think on my, pretty sure that's what mine is. It's a two stage pound and a half uh, trigger on my hunting rifle right now. That's what's all, sitting on it. You know. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, with that. I think. That's a, I was going to say, and that's, I mean, that gun is going to be so capable of anything you want it to do. You could even do a carbon fiber for under three on a Tika. Full carbon. Dude, you, you can do a full carbon for under 2,500. I, oh, that's full car. That's full. Yeah. Okay. Because my father-in-law wants one. Yeah. But, and so that means a a hunting or like a competition rig, you knock another 300 bucks off of that. Or four hundred yeah. bucks off of that, and then you're in yeah. there. So, so you're like probably somewhere around nineteen hundred for a oh for sure for steel. And you run a steel twenty four steel barrel, yeah twenty four for carbon ish probably yeah. So somewhere let's say right that that's sure. somewhere around there. That's for like a full custom uh, setup, and then you got to put a scope yeah. on it. So yeah, and and now I think bottom end I would go would be something like that vx um five but that's a thousand bucks but could you go less yeah there's like oh you definitely for a hunting gun a vx3 uh four to 14 or something like that that has the a cds2 on there that's a pretty good little deal to go like i i mean that's a pretty good hunting scope you know it well you can even dial that's like i mean to to 800 yards or so that's a good setup well yeah is it the new is it the vx3 or the mark 3 hd that has the new locking turret dial turret and everything i mean it's like it would be a great and i think i don't know i haven't looked at the mark six or seven hundred bucks i think the this one i'm talking about is only like 400 bucks they're vx3 oh maybe that's where they're at so they're it's a gold ring it's a vx3 gold oh, ring okay. scope and it has a cds on there and a windplex reticle so they're in moa okay. and so the yeah. and, and it's this reticle that's got like one minute hash marks on windage and then and then it has a, a cds style so you can go two revs you can go like i think you can get it it's like a max of like i i only think you can go up somewhere around like 20 minutes or something like that so like you're only getting to about which with a six five three eight like or 900, 900 yards, yards. Yeah. yeah so so still you know, you got you got an eight or nine hundred yard scope uh, for four hundred dollars. That's going to be good. It's got a, a side focus and everything. Then the other thing you could get, do, like Vortex has like uh, the Strike Eagle or something for like six hundred. Yeah. Yep. You, then you can go. Then then that's when you get back up into the VX five. Or and then and then from there your your Mark V Leopold Mark Vs which are freaking rad. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's that's like the ultimate hunting scope 
and dude the 3.618 is the best hunting scope <laughs> dude i, I love, love that, that thing scope. it's so small yeah. and compact and ready to go there night force yeah. also has the their things that are the similar price 16 or whatever. the the 4 to 16 attacker which is what i would do if it was me but i'm not yeah you everybody else that's just more expensive but the nx8s are uh oh, yeah. I mean, they cost the same as the Mark V. The glass quite isn't quite as good, but they're still a really nice scope. And if you're like, yeah. uh, if you're all about if if that's what you want, then get one. You know, they have yeah. a pretty good reticle stuff like that. You so, anyways, yeah. So for two thousand or less on the scope, you're you're there. But I feel like if you had three thousand dollars to spend, you spend two thousand on the scope and one thousand on the rifle. Yes, I agree. You that's just. That's just the way it is, and people anymore though you don't have to spend more than two thousand. Yeah, it's t- I, it took yeah. a long time to get there, but two thousand gets you a Mark V, and a Mark V will win. It, 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 I mean, I beat the living tar out of it. It's got yep. good glass, and it just works. Yep, there. Yeah, it's. I have a hard time using anything else. That's my favorite scope ever that I've yeah. ever had. <laughs> yep. So, but, you know, because I hear guys that it, you could, the other thing is, is you nowadays from there, like, you know, you got range finders and all that stuff. Like all that sounds like a lot of money, but it might, the point of this was is you don't have to spend that much money to get into a gun that is very capable of. Yes of being effective at what you want and don't let a gun that you see just because it costs more doesn't mean it's any better or going to get you anything that another gun's not going to get you when you see guns that are thousands and thousands of dollars from a company that you can do the same thing maybe even better not maybe yeah, not maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's uh, yeah. some companies out there that are going to sell you something for a lot of, an exorbitant amount of money. And I'm not saying. The markup is wild. Yeah, I it definitely really is. But it. I don't. But they're saying, there's companies out there that that claim it's like, well, you know, you're you're buying this because who knows what it is that makes them that much money. There are a lot of, uh, there's a, there's several companies that do it and they spend in there a lot of money, but there are, they kind of like, they've, Mar- they've got, marketing. they market, they them market right, the and... crap out of them, but then they have these yep. loads and stuff and they'll like come, you just buy them and they got 20 bo- or two boxes of bullets or something like that. And then you buy those yeah. bullets and it's set up to that gun or something. And that's what you shoot. Yeah, and if you have the money, go ahead. Yeah, do it. Holy cow! Is there some? If you bought it piece by piece, you could save about half of what they cost. Yeah, at least. Well, maybe yeah, not least. half, but you could spend. You could. You depending. Could, yeah, depending on what they are. Yeah, but. I mean, some of them are wild. But you got to know what you need to put on there. But man, it's like you could call up Garrett Priest right now. I was gonna say, call a confident gunsmith, and yeah. And you just say, hey, this is my goal. This is what I want. I want to do this. And this is my budget, though. And he might say, well, then you need to figure it out. Like, if you call him and say, my budget is 1000 and I want a gun that'll shoot, or it'll be consistent, 
and and kill things to a thousand, he's gonna say, "Well, you need to realign your yeah, like yeah, be sa- save up for it. a couple of months, you know, like yeah. Yeah. like you just yeah, I'm." You just need to go back and like sit down and be like, all right, so like, I, what can I realistically afford? Put some money away and be like, okay, my budget is three three grand. Call him up and be like, what can we do? And he might say, well, you know, I can do this or whatever. But he's going to give you some options and tell you. And he might say, well, we can come in close, but we might be 500 bucks over or something like that. And that's going to get you a, a really nice setup, you know. But if you're calling up and trying to say, I want a five-pound gun that is 800-yard ready, and I want to spend $2,000, and I'm and and he's gonna go, yeah, good luck. Like, yeah, you can't you can't do that. It, like, it, the lighter things go, the more expensive they get. Yeah, titanium, carbon, any of that type of stuff, carbon. Yeah, everything yeah. gets more expensive. Cause you want something that that's adjustable and. Yeah, like, like you don't, like, there's a reason why, like, a Savage Axis, and I'm not trashing on any of these guns. There's a place for these guns, and there, in fact, there's a lot of, like, Savage, say, take Savage, for example. There's a lot of Savage rifles that shoot really good, and if you got yeah. one of those that shoots really good, well, then just put a good scope on it, you know? Yep. Don't, yeah, shoot a factory gun, put a real nice scope on it, and, I mean, you could spend $700 on a gun, go spend 2000 on a scope. And that gun is going to do everything in a hunting situation you want it to do. Yep. In fact, you could spend, really, you could probably go find a gun for 400 bucks or one that you already have and then go just go put a good scope on it. And it's amazing yep. what it'll do. And it, yeah, it just doesn't take. It's amazing. The, I was going to say, the biggest thing is people don't realize what guns are capable of as far as, like, just a factory gun. I mean, I have a a bunch of my buddies that are mainly archery guys. And then when rifle season comes around, they always call me and I'm like, you can do like, they're like, Oh, you know, 300 yards. And I'm like, your gun is so capable of shooting 300 yards. It's not even funny, but if you never go and practice and you never do it, you'll never know that. And you need to practice. And guys also need to realize that guns are more capable. If you do the right things, they're more capable than you give them. I don't know if there is a factory gun. I could be wrong, but there, I doubt there's many factory guns nowadays that couldn't shoot a pretty solid 300-yard group. Yeah, like I think, I think a, a realistic expectation on on one is at 300 yards, six inches or less on almost yeah. every one in existence. Yeah, I. I think I mean most companies now are guaranteeing one MOA. I know, but I'm just I'm going big, you know, like Yeah. That's like with almost every ammo company as well. Yeah. Like almost any ammo combination with any factory rifle will probably shoot a six inch group at three hundred yards or less. Yep. At six hundred with a factory Tika last week, I decided in another one. Oh I I tell all my buddies to buy Tikas if they're buying a factory gun. They just seem to always shoot. Me too. I freaking went out with just standard 6.5 Creed, 140 grain, lead-pointed, kind of cheap ammo, and I put a five-shot group at 100 that was ridiculous, like full-on custom-built gun size group, and then went to 600 and shot a half-mil-wide rock. I don't think I ever missed it. Like, And that is at 600 yards. Like Most guys never shoot that far anyway. 
What uh, the gun caliber? Is very capable. Six five Creed. Man, dude, and that—that's the other thing is—is is if I give you any, if I could give any advice to people that are say they're trying to get a gun, that they that they, they want to shoot a factory gun with factory ammo and doing that, blah blah blah, get one. And I don't care what it is, but get one that has a, a chamber, like their Sammy spec on. The reason why you go with a newer caliber, and this is my opinion, is because Sammy or like the standard or whatever, like when you go get one, say you pick up a PRC, a 6.5 PRC, any of yeah. those, any anything like that, a 28 nozzler, whatever, the guns that you go buy off the shelf are going to have the right twist rate for all of the yep. ammo that's sitting behind you on the shelves. Yep. Could shoot any of it. Yeah, you get a thirty out six, man. You're limited to a, a a select few bullets because the twist rates can't compensate or or cannot. They don't give you the leeway of of say you want to yeah. hand load and come up with a custom load because there's really yeah. not a lot of good loads like over there for a for a three or a thirty out six that are yeah. that are going to be you're going to be better off with a 30, 308 than you are a 30 out 6 because you can turn around and actually buy some ammo that is capable of shooting past 400 yards. Yeah. And nowadays, I'm sorry, and I I know guys love a 30 out 6. There's no reason to buy a 30 out 6 anymore with no. the new cartridges that are out like there I know guys love their 30 cals, but I yeah. Well, but if they had a 30 but if they had um like 185 juggernauts back yeah. there on the shelf. That's a different story. All of a sudden, yeah, yeah buy your freaking 308. That's great. Yeah. Or I mean, your yeah. 30 out six, because there's some 185 jug. Like there's a, a a loaded ammo that's actually high quality, and you can do your thing. Whatever. Go put a muzzle brake on it and shoot shoot your three your 30 out six. The thing is yeah. though, you get a 65 Creed though, and back in the day they'd be capped out at. A flat, a hundred grain flat base. Well, now, well, right now you can go buy one fifty sixes, a hunting, yeah. a hunting load with one fifty sixes, off the shelf, or you w- w- from Burger, or you can buy um, one hundred and forty grain ELDMs or one hundred and forty seven grain ELD match um, ammo, yeah. and right there you go take it to to the range, hide it in with your scope or whatever. That gun right there is ready to go. No problem oh, yeah. to at least 600 yards. Yep. Now, we did it tonight. I uh, I got a buddy that's going elk hunting this weekend. He wants to go shooting with me when I go. If I'm just going out by my house, he's, I've been helping him get dialed in. And Hornady White Box tonight shot a three-quarter inch group at 100, and we shot 600, 900. I think that was it, 600 and 900. But he hit both multiple times. I mean, this is a guy who doesn't shoot anywhere near as much as we do. I mean, he's just just a standard hunting guy like and yeah i mean you can between the hornady white box and any of the burger loaded stuff is i mean the burger stuff's loaded with lapua brass good powder high-end bullets like it's it's good stuff yeah i think this eagle eye stuff um when he gets a hunting load it'll be something where you can get on and it's like 250 bucks for 100 rounds but if you're that hunting guy and you buy 100 rounds of it you you shoot five over a chronograph and there's 95 rounds you go hunting with. Yep. And like, it'll be the same every time and it'll be the same type of deal where 
Uh, well, it'll probably be even better. It's like I was gonna say, his stuff's been that stuff's ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> but that's hand. I mean, that's basically like you doing your own reloads. I mean, the it, guy loads to the kernel. Yeah, it, that stuff and it shoots amazing because I mean, it's good, really good components loaded to a very high degree of precision. And so, like, there's just options out there. But yeah, go go try to get that in thirty out six. You know, I'm not, and I'm not yeah. trying to bag specifically on that one thing, but I'm trying to say like, just because it's been around for a long time doesn't mean it's the best thing in the world. Like, exactly. a, even a Win Mag, right? Like, yep. you, is a Win Mag a good cartridge? Yeah, it, but you got to go have a gunsmith do it in the right twist rate to make it worthwhile because that you can't shoot a two ten out of one. Yeah. It doesn't have the twist rate for it. You're you're kind of locked into 180s or something, you know. Yep. I yep. think I don't yep. know. I haven't messed with them that much, but I just no. Know. I don't because the 300 PRC is kind of taking over the 300 Win Mag now. Yeah. For that reason. Yep. Well, and that's and so that's people don't realize why they're like, well, why do you need these? Well, it's because if you if you turn around and and do that to the OT six, well. Now most of the 150 ammo is gonna suck, and you know, you know yep. what I mean. Like in all in grandpa's in grandpa's old 30 out six, so they're not gonna do that. So yeah. they they and so they're like, well, we have all this new guns, and 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 we have we have like tweaks in the design features of these actions and mag lengths and all this type of stuff that we can build a cartridge around that while also changing the 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 chamber dimensions and the bore twist and all that type of stuff. We can do all that in one spell swoop and then turn around and make it and then, and make that cartridge to where we can maximize that and then make them. And yes, there's a lot of guys that turn around and try to reinvent the wheel, but there has been some good ones that have come out and they stick around and they're the ones that have lasted through this kind of bulge of new cartridges. Well, I mean, I don't even own a 6.5 PRC, but Me I have not shot a 6.5 PRC. I will own one. I just haven't built one yet. I have not shot a 6.5 PRC yet that hasn't shot just unbelievably well. Really? Like, I have not one. I, Garrett's built three for some buddies of mine. I've, I have sighted in all three of them, and every single one of them just absolutely shot ridiculous. Like, I don't know what it is about it. Maybe I just had a good day with each of them. But that cartridge, there's something about it. I just, I love that cartridge. That's awesome. Well, and the thing is, is you can grab, you can go buy one of those off the shelf, turn around, walk back there, and buy a high-quality box of bullets for 40 bucks a box or whatever. You know, like, that's probably pretty much run-of-the-mill now after COVID and all that. 40 bucks a box is probably like spending 25 in the past. Or fifty, it might be fifty or sixty now. <laughs> it's Serious? A lot. Yeah, I think Hornady White Box for six five PRC is like sixty bucks. What the heck? I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive they're like between fifty and sixty. Well, so you go spend a competitive amount on on ammo behind you. You know, you could go get like a a, a middle of the road um, six hunting load, and then turn around and go buy a middle of the road uh like like white box right it's just yeah. good stuff and they're probably going to be about the same price am i right or yeah. am i wrong yeah no you're probably right like core locks are probably still going to be 30 bucks yeah they yeah i don't think they're anywhere near what the other stuff is 
Yeah, but it's also a core lock. Like, I mean, it'll kill. It will kill. Oh, yeah. But that's about it. I mean, yeah. it's not going to impress you, <laughs> you yeah. know. So, but And certain guns like certain bullets better. I mean, it may take a couple times going through and deciding which one shoots better, but for the most part, they're all going to shoot pretty good. Yeah, for sure. So, let's um, – okay. Anyways, <coughs> sorry, I'm something back. Man, in the we're throat. going off ta- tangent city. Well, here. it's kind, it's kind of, it's all related to the same thing. Just yeah, that's true. Kind of, you know, like if you're if you're looking into getting something for hunting or or for what, whatever, you don't got to go spend, you know, ten, twelve thousand dollars on a setup. You can definitely yeah. get one because you're still at the end of the day. Say you go buy one that is supposed to be like out of the box, ready to roll. Cause there's several different companies will do that. And it's, and they're selling a pretty good package product, right? They're selling, Oh yeah. It's got good, good features. Everything's probably right. It feels right. Looks right. Does everything. Um, and it probably, you can probably get a, uh, like the loads, everything ready to go, all that type of stuff to where you just range it, dial, pull the trigger. But you still got to figure out how to run that thing, and you got to figure well, out. Well, so it. that's one of the biggest issues with some of these gun makers that are. You buy it, and you just it gives people the impression that oh well, I just I mean I don't need to practice. I I actually work with a guy whose brother <laughs> bought one of those guns, and he just was like, "Yeah, we can shoot. We'll shoot as far as we want now." And I'm like, "Okay, but that just because the gun can do it doesn't mean you're going to do it." Like, and that's, I think, another thing that well, drives me nuts. People come people into, think. people come into shooting long ways with this idea that a long ways and the fact that you have to hold over a bunch or you have to dial a bunch, that that's the toughest yeah. thing to figure out. And it's like, no, <laughs> it's actually the little bit that you got to hold for wind. Yep. Like the gravity's consistent. The wind is not. Nope. And so you can... You're like you. You can get your elevation's gonna be dead nuts every time. Yeah. But my dad was telling me like tonight he was up and he shot nine fifty at a plate I got, and he goes, "I had to hold two mils to hit that thing." Oh yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, the wind blows." He's like, "Well, it didn't feel like I was blowing here." And I was like, "Well, did you look down there? You know, like at the grass and that." Yeah. You know, he he's. But I mean, you you figure that stuff out. But I just think that people don't need to they, – they need to realize, like, hey, it's probably better off to do – to for sure, like, like it's not a bad idea to have a, a gun that's capable. But then you have to turn around and figure out how to do it. So if you're yeah, trying to go buy something bit. that you think is going to just make you a long-range shooter, like, that's not going to happen. You're going to have yeah. – because you still have to learn how to use that thing. Like, if yep. – like, you give me one one of those setups – um, if you trade me setups, you know, like mine, I guarantee you probably shoots better and is probably more, like dialed in like dead nuts. not, uh, not saying than the owner of those companies rifle, right? Like, yeah, that, I mean, that's a whole different deal. You know, they, they know what they're doing, but yeah. if you, t- but if I, but say if somebody went and bought one, you know, and then traded me guns, I would still beat them. Yeah. No problem. 
yeah, I don't, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think there's, yeah. So be a lot of people with a factory gun. I don't think it matters. <laughs> oh, shut up. So would you? Yeah. All right, yeah, maybe. So, but here's a question that I think is pretty relevant um, to a lot of people. You show up to a match, and you you've just you know two days ago you you were at the range, and everything was perfect. You know you shot dead nut zero shot. You shot like six hundred water line 900 water line 1200 water line and you just like man this is the best thing ever put it up say let's go to the match boys we're gonna go we're gonna go bring it (laughs) home and anyways you show up to the match and zero day and you shoot and it's it's not on you know my my question to you is, what do you do? Like, say that that's the situation. Like, I'm not gonna. Uh, we can get more specific in parameters. Uh, I guess first, I'm gonna say, and this should be the first question. I well, what do you do? Typically, one thing is don't just lay down and shoot three rounds and be like, oh, why isn't it on? Put heat your barrel up a little bit. Get like kind of, I don't know, get a season. Because there's been times like I'll show up check zero okay it's off a couple tents i'm like that's kind of weird a couple I'll let it cool down well it depends <laughs> it's never super far off but uh, there has been times where i'm like what in the world is going on um a couple would scare me but oh no i've had it a couple times that it's been definitely a couple tents off um and I, but i it's like the first three rounds and then I also, the other thing is trying to remember when you clean your gun, I, I never do it anymore, but I used to, I would clean my gun and then for, I'd forget. And then I'd go shoot, even if it was just at home, go shoot and check it. And I like to put like 50 rounds through a barrel before I go to a match. I know some guys think that's crazy, but I feel like nothing changes after that or it doesn't seem to change as much. And so when I show up, if it's off, generally I run 10 rounds through it and just see how it goes. And then if it, is the whole 10 round group is off. If it's way off, I check torque. And now I've kind of got into where when I show up, I'll check my torque on everything before I even check zero. Just because uh, mainly if we fly, I guess is the main time I do that. But yeah, I mean, I just usually run 10 through it. If it's off, for all 10, I'll let it cool down, shoot another group. If it's off again, I adjust it. If not, then generally, like you said, they're, they're pretty well. I mean, you might be a little bit off it. I don't, if it's a 10th high or 10th, let, I just kind of, I just leave it to be honest, but you might have more of a to do than me, I guess. No, that's good. I, this is what I'm, I'm wondering. So, cause like I, I'm so my thing is, is I, I feel like people, you're going to run into problems at the match, right? This is a common yeah. one though. Uh, and I feel like you need to go through things. Um, like, like say your, your vehicle, your check engine light or something like that goes on. You need to go through like, why, you know, you need to go through the diagnostic. Yeah. And if you're, if you're a mechanic or whatever, you understand, we got to go through a mechanic. Uh, we got to go through a diagnostic process. If you're in the medical profession, like you need to, like, this is the, this is the clinical signs, but why? And you have to diagnose that. 
and figure it out versus just like there's there's you could just treat the symptoms but if there's an underlying issue then it's not going to work like you can clear the code on on a check engine light and it's great for a day or two and then all of a sudden it's back on right so that's the that's the issue you need to you need i think you need there needs to be some questions you ask yourself and you were you did you're you you were like okay barrel heat was the first thing you talked about yeah cleaning uh like when's the last time you cleaned and like if you cleaned right before you got on the plane that makes sense you talked about torque yep that's something you need to think about as well. Like if you get on a plane, people don't realize this, but it's it's very very often that when there's a match that a ton of people fly to, that somebody's scope is loose, and the yeah, reason is, is it because does, it does seem to be. Oh yeah, it's negative seventy degrees up there. It might be ninety degrees on the ground, but it's negative seventy up there. You don't know it because you're in a freaking climatized cab, but it's negative seventy up in them clouds. Or something like it's like somewhere between like negative forty and negative eighty or whatever. Every time I I think it's interesting to look when I'm on the plane, but it's freaking cold, man. Oh yeah. And say you got steel rings and a and a aluminum uh, scope tube, like, or you got aluminum rings and you got steel screws. Like they, each metal is gonna expand and gonna contract. The different and it's vibrating the whole freaking plane ride. So if you think yep. about this, they 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 expand and contract, but they do it at different rates, right? The aluminum yep. and the steel contract and expand at different rates. And even if say the screws don't move from being rattled, which a lot of them do, man. There's people like you'll get show up to a match and and after being on that flight and they're like, my scope was loose and I just checked it. Yeah. Well. A lot of times it's not a bad idea when you show up to a match after getting off a plane and just as you're check everything. Yep, just hurry and check them all. I go through I go rings, cross bolts and and uh and and action screws. That's well, all you need one. to do. Yeah, and another one that I, I I've only had it happen once and I caught it pretty quick, but I feel like at least every couple matches it seems to happen is a muzzle brake comes loose. Really? See, you hear, you I've hear been, of a muzzle brake coming Yeah, through. I'll check them every so often. So I'll just reach up with my hand and check on it. So I've yeah. been going to put some witness tape or, or like not or witness clay or something well, something on there, but I haven't yet. Yeah. But eventually. So there needs to be a list of things. Like So like one thing I've thought or one thing I think. So I think if it's over a tenth, there's something there. It's something to yeah. chase down. Like, if you shoot, but if you're right, you're right, you should shoot. Like, if it's off, I'm gonna shoot more rounds at the paper than normal. Yeah. Like I'm probably before I touch anything, I definitely shoot more. Yeah, because it's easy. Like if if you well, for me, I'm gonna shoot the first five, and then if it's if it's two tenths left, say, I'm going to figure out. I'm gonna go through everything. I'm gonna check my windage turret. I'm gonna go through all of my stuff and make sure there's no reason outside of it and what are the reasons like you say like for windage mainly it's just like say heat when you cleaned if you took the break like think through of all the reasons like did you did you mess with something before getting on the plane you just forgot about it you're like oh i like i've done that before it's like i cleaned the gun and then and then 
and whatever, and then I forget, and then I show up to the match. I'm like, why the frick is this thing off, you know? And yeah. and it's like, oh, I took the brake off, or I switched brakes or something before I left, you know? Yeah. Like it's this, and so it's like only like a tenth off or something, which is crazy because some the, it seems like VJ's brakes are like it, there's not a big shift when you take it off, put it back on. Dude, yeah, there's something to those. I my gun has never shot better, and I don't know why. Uh, it just yeah, I, I they, well, he told me there's something to having a weight hanging on the end of your gun. Yeah, and I don't know what it is. Tuner, I, definitely, I, I don't know if it's. I don't know that moving it does much, but I think just putting it on might. Having it there, yeah. yeah. I I haven't adjusted my zero on my match gun for. I mean, I haven't shot a match for a couple months, but just practice wise and stuff. When I go shoot during the week, I I haven't touched a zero for three or four months or yeah. three months whenever i got it i haven't touched it since which my guns generally when i set them the first time i don't have to i don't have to do much to my zero like, like ever yeah. but like i go through this process because there's things that can happen right like if you've ever watched them on a tarmac with your gun like they chuck that thing there's reasons for it to be off like <laughs> when somebody when a freaking uh 400 pound samoan jumps on top of your case like i'm sorry but the aluminum can bend yeah. Like your scope tube might move. <laughs> like <laughs> Well, we've had guys break bolt handles off. Oh yeah. And and I'm not talking about like I'm just saying like them boys from the U, they gotta do something in the summertime. And I think <laughs> I think all them football players are out on the freaking tarmac throwing gun cases around. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I, yeah, it's it's freaking awesome watching them get them guys, them big old boys, and they're just like grabbing grabbing uh, suitcases like they're nothing and just yep. just chucking these things on the freaking plane. But yeah, like I mean, and that's cool. So there's things like that. So there's things you got to do. So I shoot five, then I'm gonna then I'm gonna check everything if I haven't already checked like torque and stuff, and think about like what it is that would do this, and then and then I'm gonna. Uh, then I'm going to run everything. I might even mess with my turrets a little bit, like move them back and forth and then back to zero and then shoot yeah. again. Just, just to think about it. And then, uh, and then if it's still like more than, like say more than, if it's more than a 10th off, I'm going to move it for sure. Yeah. Most of the time. on yeah, windows, It comes to a point where it. you just have to, yeah, you just have to. Move it. Yep. And I might even move it and then like, like, keep it in mind like if it's only a tenth i might not move windage elevation yeah, I, though i'm gonna try to right. for the reason yeah i should i shouldn't have said i don't move it if it's within a tenth because elevation i do move it as well yeah so like with if it's within two tenths or if it's within one tenth that's what i'm saying it's it has to be less than a tenth or, or a tenth or less like i might not move it i probably will yeah. i probably will like I, I might z- leave it zeroed where it's at, but I might move it a tenth. Uh, I'll probably move it to zero, and then I will keep it in mind, and as we go throughout the day shooting, if I feel like it's off and needs to go back, then it'll go back. That makes yeah. sense because it's capped, and I don't dial wind, so I can do that type of thing. Yep. Um, but then, like elevation, say we show up to to take Texas, for example. You know, you're you're zeroing into the rising sun. Yeah. In the morning. Well, that's if you're me and you're late. So. If, yeah, if you check it in the morning. Which that's is, the one place I try not to. Which is, that's when I always get to check it and I don't really worry about it. 
because I know, say, so I always keep this rule of thumb, and I heard this, I think it was like Zach Beacom that said this once. He says, sun's up, sight's up, sun's down, sight's down. So, and I think it only really kind of moves within a mill, and I always run my sunshade because of this. That's, it's my own thought is like, you know, just, I just don't want any light on my lens, but that's just me. But anyways, I think that in the mornings, a lot of times if you're shooting into the sun directly into it, like a lot of times you're going to be a 10th low or at least a half a 10th low. Yeah. I, I always figured it's got to be either there. My rule of thumb is it's got to be zero or, or within point or, or point one low. If I'm shoot, if I'm zero in there in the morning, but I'm sure if it, the sun was going down and I was shooting the other direction, because I know as soon as I turn around and shoot the other way, it'll be on. But then if I shoot yeah. the other direction, I bet at night my zero's high. Yeah. There was this deal. Did you ever see that that time lapse Vortex did? Uh. Uh-huh. So they put a camera right behind a scope, and they and they and it's a time lapse of where the zero wandered throughout the day based on the light. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I never saw that. It's not. It's not a. It's not like a a huge amount, but it's definitely definitely moves. Definitely. And it has. And it, I guarantee it's lighting. Yeah, light refraction. I mean. Yep. It makes sense to me, but I'm. But I think yeah. I think you just got to make sure it's got to be with within at least a tenth. That's my opinion. And so yeah, yep. like evenings. Shooting into the sun, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept within that. But then the other thing is how many times you show up to a match, and the wind's blowing ten miles an hour from your left. Yeah, and then your zero looks off, but maybe more than ten miles an hour. But no, ten miles an I've hour. Watched... Do it. Ten mile an hour, you ought to be low right. Yeah, what about a tenth both ways? It. Yeah. And guys will adjust oh, it. I've watched guys adjust the logo matches when the wind's blowing 20 in the morning. I'm like, I ain't touching anything. Yeah. And they adjust it, and then they're way off. I'll shoot it, but guys don't realize, like, you need to put that in your Kestrel. And Well, first of yeah, all, you need kestrel, to have the Kestrel. You, you should be. Yeah, you need to have the Kestrel properly tuned for that, right? Like, you need to make sure that you're running, like, the, the, set, the settings are correct. But the but yeah. rule of thumb is, is it's a... Uh, about a tenth of windage per 10 miles an hour at 100 yards and a tenth of elevation per 10 miles an hour at 100 yards. Rule of thumb. So you should be in that scenario, you should be a tenth low, tenth right. 20 miles an hour, you should be two tenths low, two tenths right. Mm -hmm. That's essentially where you ought to be. It's probably more like three tenths right and uh, and, (laughs) and two tenths low, but uh, rule of thumb. But they, but you, I, my point is, is put it in your Kestrel because that's not that could be another reason why you're sitting there going, why is this off? And what I found, and I don't know about you, but I end up not touching my zero, ninety nine percent of the time because it is yep. one of these other factors that I didn't yep. think about, or it's something so that can be easily explained. Say. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. Is the last few matches I haven't touched it at all unless it was like way off, but it hasn't been the last few. I've just left it. Even if it's not dead center, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to leave it. And stuff's been way better. I used to adjust it basically every morning before a match. 
And I think that was a lot of times why I was having so many issues at certain matches. Like I'd be like, nothing's on, nothing's lining up. And I think it had to do with me messing with I mean, there's a reason why you show up to check zero. Yeah. Because I've been there before too where I would not check, where I would check, but I would never adjust. Yeah. And I think you end up, you end up the opposite problem there. Like you, you end up um, getting yourself into issues because you end up being stubborn. I've done that. I'm not saying that's you. I'm just saying that's yeah. That's me. I was like, man, there's no way it, my zero's always on. It's good. And then it wasn't good. Um, yeah. You know, it was, I remember that distinctly. It was like two tenths off and it was a no win day. And that makes a difference in a no win day. Oh, yeah. If, yes. So there's no win. But, but, my thing is I want it to be on all the time. And the thing is, is it generally speaking, like when I show up to a match, it's on unless there is a, a wind, a lighting problem, a torque problem, or, um, a lot of times the other thing that makes it, I see, I think lighting, cleaning, torque, and, uh, like I did something recently. And, and the cleaning thing just means like, if it's if it's within you know ten round like if I'd only put you know five rounds or ten rounds be, before I go home I might shoot a couple more to make sure and it'll settle back in, but if I yeah. pulled the brake off or something and it's two tenths off when I get there and I forgot about it that's something there it's like oh that makes sense you know like I took the brake off and put it back on that's why it's off yeah. you know there's there's little things that can that can be the pro that can end up being the problem. And if you forget about it or whatever, it'll get in your head and you're always wondering why you're messing with your zero. And like 99, like nine times out of 10, I even fly in places. I don't touch my zero. I don't have to touch it. It's just on when I get there. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Nine times out of 10. (laughs) Yep. There is one, one time every now and then. Yep. But I think they're more easily explainable, you know. Yeah. Um, for the most part, for sure. So, what's your theory on your matrix? Why do you Why do you prefer wow. the standard? <laughs> I can't figure it out because I've been messing with both kind of a lot. Just because I'm like, why do I like the way the other one, the standard matrix, feels in my hand better? Because it. it it shouldn't, I mean, I guess it should matter what it feels like in my hand, but there's something about the standard matrix that just seems to jive with the feeling of it jives with me a little better versus, and I, the only thing I can tell, cause I love the butt stock as well. That's like, I, I love the butt stock. That little bag riser thing has been, I have used it more than I ever thought I would. Yep. But Something to do with the width on the fore end just feels different. And I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, what's, what do you feel? So I've thought about this, and I think what it is, and this is goes along with plates. So I'm going to – so the plates out there the guys use, right? We're talking about the cheater plates or whatever they call them. Oh, The right. gamer plates. yeah. yeah. Uh, they're just like these these uh, plates that you can put on your Arc Swiss rail, and they'll right in front of your mag well. Yep, and, 
and they yeah. and they ride on top of the bags. And the idea is that you're you're creating more surface area, similar to the matrix, right? And the matrix ends up being yeah. four inches wide almost. And so, which is uh, the matrix pro? The matrix is like two and a half or something like that. Which is, yeah, I like that. I I I think the matrix yeah. is pretty ideal. I I really do, but. My theory on the stability, well, I think I think that it's not stability, right? It's speed for me. Can't, Movability, maybe. The cant yeah. settles out way faster on a Matrix than it does a Matrix Pro. Yeah. And the reason is because you're, you're in order to get full surface area to be contacting the bottom of the, of the rifle with a sandbag, you think about it, you're expecting that your gun is going to push sand from one place. Sand has to relocate, and it has to fill up the void, correct? Yep. So if you if you want that to happen, and you're trying to twist the rifle and, and shake it, you're having to twist and shake or do something, instead of just being able to just roll the rifle and it settles in there and just digs in, does that make sense? Yeah, maybe that is what the difference is. So you have to – this is just for me. This is the difference that I didn't like because it's always trying to settle back to the original. Yeah. And I'm always yeah. feeling like I'm having to force it over there and then like kind of like wrench it down into this bag to get to get the sand over there. I'm having to push sand over to the other side, and yeah. then it's never going to fill it up near as good as if you have a narrower bag or a narrower forend. And you don't need it to be super narrow, but it's got to got to be narrow enough. Honestly, if we had a if we had a round bottom chassis, it yeah. would be even better because then you could get full surface area width wise and length wise, and be wide, and you could get maybe get full contact all the way out to the sides. Because I understand the idea yeah. of what's going on, but if things aren't just perfect, then then you have to move it, and then then all of a sudden you're riding on a corner of your chassis. Yeah. Like you're just riding on one corner, or or you're only you're only got full contact on the right three quarters of the gun, and the the yeah. right quarter is still kind of hanging out there in no man's land, and or vice versa if you're if you're if you're right handed, and then your gun and then your hand is pulling down the left side, and the left side's the one without the surface area. You know what I mean? Contacted. Yeah. yeah. So kind of teetering almost. Yeah, and so you get this lack of settling in there if we were using standard fill and we weren't using sand it wouldn't be a problem we'd all love those and we'd all go towards those yeah i think we'd all probably have a a gamer plate and use them constantly and all that type of stuff but since we're in sand this sand like nobody like you don't need a gamer plate or anything like that in fact it i think it makes it worse unless you get really good at moving that sand around and i just don't i haven't found a good way to do it repeatably yeah well speed is the biggest thing to do it quickly yeah i think there's diminishing returns right like like i don't think you're going to gain stability with the width do you if if i think you gain more stability because it is wider it should technically but 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 you're going to spend more time do you need stability like that's that's only cat stability. Do you need that? No, I agree. No, I agree. No. That the only thing that's going to do is allow you to run the bolt with that with inducing less um can't. Yeah. But you can do that with your hand. 
or your face in yeah. my ca- case is what I do. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right for sure. I, it's been bugging me cause I've been trying to decide. Well, I don't know. I've been shooting my matrix pro primarily. So that's what I'm shooting at the finale, but yeah. And I do like it. I mean, I, it, honestly, it doesn't feel a whole lot different other than the forend is just. So K and M's a perfect place for it. And that's why I think they're way more, po- those gamer plates are way more popular um, on the East coast is because, well, God laser leveled the East coast of this country. Yeah. Like everything East of the Mississippi is, well, I say East of Mississippi, East of the continental divide almost is just flat as pancake, you know? So, yeah, you know, like everything's level. So you put your bag on a level prop and the bag is level and then you put the gun on it. You don't have, you don't can't, isn't a thing there, you know, like it's yeah. just, everything's level. So so you don't have to roll it. So yeah, it nobody's probably gonna notice it. You come out here where, where you you're built you're you're building this. Uh, somebody built the barricade or dropped the barricade in the ground. They didn't use a level. They just put it up. Yeah. Or you're shooting you're yeah. shoot, you're shooting off something that's not you know level or and then you got to shoot well, yeah. over on the other side of the hill and then you can't. You got to get the cant out of it. Yeah, you're just like, wow. And then then that's when you end up on a corner. Whereas the Matrix, just that little narrower, you wouldn't imagine. It's crazy how much adding an inch and a half or whatever to the width of that thing, how much harder to get the cant out um, makes it. And granted, I do, like I say, I think it probably has its place and it probably is really, really good. Um, in somewhere where it can't isn't as big of issue. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I think so. I, yeah. I don't know. I like it. I, I have liked it a lot. I like the been shooting ball. I have been trying to decide how I feel as far as what the difference is exactly. But. I talked to Ken about this once because he's always running the gamer plates and I was making fun of him for it. And uh, Ken told me, he says that, he's like, yeah, he says, you work to get get the cant. And he was the only one with a good answer for it because I was like, man, I don't care what you say, it's retarded. And he's like, well, I see what you're saying. And he says, and yeah, it does take a little bit more to get it to to level up and everything. He says, but then once you're there, then the gun doesn't move. I'm like, okay, fair. Fair. So if you're willing to do that, then the, and I'm talking, la, uh, it's just can't stability. It doesn't give you any, if, in my opinion, from what no, I've there's seen, no, there's no yeah. like forward and backward and lateral stability. It has everything to do with when you run the bolt, the gun won't move. But if you're me and have yeah. the gun wedged it between your face and your shoulder, the gun doesn't move anyways. Yeah. As long as you're not you got to run the bolt fast, but not fast enough that you, that you have to move your shoulder. It's all should be in your wrist and elbow. Yeah. So you're not moving the, the, rest yeah, of the, so gun. the gun shouldn't move a whole lot, no matter what. Yep. Gun you're running. Cause you're wet. You're, it's wedged in there. You could be shooting a yeah. T three. As long as it has a cheek piece and everything that you can wedge, you can make that thing run without moving it. Yeah. But anyways, yep. I just was curious cause I, I could tell when you said you, that you were going back and forth that, and that there yeah. must be a reason. And I'm not saying, and I want to clarify on here, both of us shoot for MPA and both of us are huge fans of 
um, the products and everything like that. We're not, yeah. this is not to be, this is more directed at everybody seems to be going um, more towards width. And yeah. I, I haven't been, and maybe it's just cause I'm behind the times and just haven't figured out how to settle it, but I'm just not as big of deal on, on it. I run the matrix for that reason, but the man, the pro buttstock is amazing. So I run a hybrid where it's the pro pro, um, the pro buttstock with the matrix four end and that right there is the best of the both both worlds and in my opinion that's the best thing going yeah uh yeah that buttstock man i i seriously did not think i would use it that much and it's yeah I it's use even it lighter it's even lighter yeah. so it's it like a lighter. it's like i think it's point i weigh i weigh them out it's 0.6 pounds lighter than the than the than the regular matrix buttstock and it's got this push button like deal where the the uh bag rider drops down up to like what three inches is that how far it is i, I don't know idea. it's a way it just that, guess, i'm, I'm sure. just guessing a couple inches for sure yeah and so like say your bipod's tall in the front or whatever even shooting on benches it, that's where i've used it a bunch oh yeah but but the other thing is it gives you forgiveness on a uh on a tack table like if you yep. have the thought yeah to think about it you can push the button and boom you got more well that's if i'm not sure on bipod height now i almost always just error on okay it's gonna be a little bit high but i can hit the button and flip my bag vertical and i'm good to go that's legit i like it it's pretty cool so anyways i think we hit uh most things we want to talk about but i appreciate you coming on and i i think it's pretty good i enjoy it yeah, I think it was uh, really good. Uh, and hopefully you guys bared with us. I mean, I know a lot of people aren't new or anything like that. Um, but we, I want to talk about some hunting guns coming into hunting season, and it seems like that's what everybody wants to talk about right now. And Yeah. And I just thought it was funny. Uh, how little you can actually – you can you don't you just don't have to spend a ton to get into, into a lot of guns. <laughs> yeah. And yep. – yeah, appreciate you guys listening, and uh, it's always good having you on, Brady. Oh, well, I appreciate it. I enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah, and what do you what matches you got coming up? Just the finale, man. And then I'm still up in there on the AG Cup. I sure I'll go, but I'm in hunting mode. I don't know for what reason this fall. I just I think I got a little burned out this summer and. I, yeah, it's still too hot to go hunt birds, but we've been hunting big game like crazy. So yeah, I still have a deer, a rifle deer tag here in a couple of weeks. It's right before the finale. So we'll try and get that done. And then, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, as far as matches go, man, just the finale and AG cup. And then we'll start the 2023 season. I'm not sure. I haven't looked through it. Well, the, season, the schedule's not out, so I'm not sure what I'll be doing next year, but I'm sure I'll shoot quite a few. Probably a little less than this year. I think I shot a little more than I should have this year. Yeah. It was fun, but. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm excited for next year. It'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, should be good. Any, uh, so you just have a rifle deer tag? Anything else in the family? You got? No. I think that's it, as far as I know. And then I, I think I'm going to try and go on Garrett's buffalo hunt, if I can make it work. Yeah, when is that? 
Garrett Priest is gonna right, what, right is before it a, Christmas. Is it a female? Uh, is he killing a cow? I don't. I might be. I think it is a cow. It's sure. a cow it? buffalo, but they still are huge. Oh yeah. No, I think it'd be fun to go on. I've never been on a buffalo hunt. But when is it? You I, say it's right before Christmas. Okay. So I might try and go on that, and then I'd, I'd like to try and really get some coyotes. And I bought a couple bobcat tags, and I've got uh, harvest objective lion tag. So. I've had the chance at two lions over the last two years. I called one in two years ago, and then you know, I found one where we were shed hunting this spring, and I didn't have the freaking rifle with me. So this year, the lions are getting chased down. Hopefully, I can find one. Hell yeah, I'm excited. That'd be awesome. It'd be pretty sweet. So, I mean, that canyon's full of them. I know. I know. It'd be it'd be good. But so we'll see. Do you are you hunt? Are you coming down here to hunt or no? Nope. No, we're. I I thought about getting an Idaho tag, but I might get a bear tag over in Idaho. I was gonna say, will Brian let you come hunt around there? Uh, it's. I think he might let me shoot a bear there. That'd be sweet. He said something. He said something about killing um, one of the deer on his place, but I think I'm pretty sure all the Idaho tags are sold out. And yeah, probably. I and I'd 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 love to kill a bear so. If oh, if there's yeah. any chance at, at killing one, I would do it. Yeah, that'd be cool. But awesome. I also I don't want to do I, I don't want to I do not want to uh, like abuse uh, that in any. I don't want Brian to feel like he oh, has yeah. to let me hunt no. or anything like that there because no. I understand it's like it is a sweet place and you want to keep that for yourself oh. and for your kids so. You know, no, I agree. I don't want to. I don't want to push anything off his property. You know, type deal. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure it's. Yeah. So if I kill one, you know, that'd be cool. But if not, yeah. like I, yeah, I'm so busy. I'm not too worried about it. But it, man, yeah, I, I miss hunting. <laughs> like right now, it would be, I'd be get helping my dad get ready for hunts and. Yeah. And be actually be able to go on them. I kind of, it sucks. My dad drew that tag and then I won't even be able to be there. I know. I'll just be, I guarantee, I won't get any studying done because I guarantee you I'll just be on the phone every 30 minutes. Yep. Oh yeah, dude. Freaking between any of my friends and family having tags and then freaking pinch running around killing everything under the sun. Just live vicariously through him. Wow. I know. I talked to him today. (laughs) Dude, I, oh man, I'm jealous of him. Real bad. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's freaking wild. Oh, every time <laughs> no, I talk is, to him, yeah. I don't, if you it's guys crazy. know, don't listen to his podcast. Uh, it's uh, VP Precision. And lately, I think I haven't listened to the last few episodes um, of it, but it's been more on hunting. And it's because this dude has been all over, not the country, Everywhere. the world, no. killing stuff. Yeah. There, He's chasing, he's he, like, I think he's got, 19 this might have been 20 this last moose. I was gonna say I think he has 20 now. Yeah. Moose Moose 20 was 20 out of 29. There him and his buddy are going for the the North American 29. What do they call that? Is it like the Super Slam or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And man, so he, he did he already kill the yak or the muskox or whatever? Uh, I don't 
I no, don't think he he's got his muskox yet, but that I, one's Greenland. But that's coming up this year. He's killed a moose, a grizzly, two moose this year. This, I think this is the second. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the second moose because <laughs> yeah. he had to he's get like a Yukon and a, a Yukon moose and an Alaskan moose. So I think the last one was oh, a Yukon because okay. he killed okay. the one like early on in the year. Yeah, because they're just coming home from their last moose hunt. Yeah, so you are it, right. Yeah, he killed the the Canadian member with the six five PRC. Yeah, yeah, yep. And then this one, I'm. He's like, that's all I had ready. <laughs> that might have yeah, been last year. I can't remember, but I just remember him telling me about it. But yeah, so I mean, dude, it's so wild to see the hunts. And then the the <laughs> was it the that was a doll, right? The sheep he killed, or was that a stone? Yeah, no, I think he killed a doll this year. Yeah, but he made a stone two. I don't. I no, was it just one? Yeah, the stones. The, I think the stones the one he's got left, and it's because they're. He's killed a stone. I know he's killed a stone. Oh, really? Maybe it was he, the yeah, doll that, he, that he had to do. Oh, maybe maybe, maybe, maybe it's the raw. I don't know. We should probably let him tell the he's story. He's got his sheep slam. Now. Yeah, that's true. No, <laughs> he, he. I thought the Rocky Mountain or the desert was the last ones he had. Oh, I, it's probably Rocky Mountain then because I know he's got a desert. Yeah. I've talked to him about it a couple times. Unless he does have a sheep slam. Any, either way, freaking cool, man. Yeah. Like, it is wild. Did I lose you? I think we lost Brady, but... Oh, no, there he is. You got it? Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, my I don't know what happened. Oh, you're good. But yeah. No it, problem. It's pretty wild, um, and it's cool to watch, so... It is awesome to watch. It's not very often that you find somebody like that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And then you get to just like, just, uh, like, I don't even know if it's, I'm jealous. I just, it's, uh, it's I exciting am. to see. <laughs> it is exciting to see. Like, like, it's just cool. Like to like, uh, like the Buffalo and all that stuff. Like, and to hear the stories oh, yeah. about it. Like, and he was telling me about the horses today and, uh, the ones I rode clear back up in there and. Oh, really? Yeah. It was. It's just, it's very cool. But anyways, sorry to take you guys down that uh, rabbit hole, but we like hunting. And uh, if you haven't listened to his podcast, check it out. He's also one of the best shooters in the country. So there's a lot to be learned. And it's VP Precision because it's Jake Vibbert and John Pinch. They're the main two guys on there. And uh, it's hard. I would think most people know who they are. Yeah, yeah. I think their names speak for themselves, so. In fact, I don't even know why I explained it because if you're listening to this, you probably already listened to that. <laughs> That's what I was Long thinking. Long <laughs> before mine was even around, you know. Yeah. So, anyways, yep. uh, thanks for coming on, and no thanks problem. everybody for listening, and uh, we'll talk at you later.